kicks and sticks. Hello and welcome to episode 165 of Pixel Sift. My name is Gianni. Uh, I am your host for this episode. Today we are talking about the past. We're talking about the future. We're talking about the present uh, because ACME, the Australian Centre for the Moving Image, uh, have just put together a brand new revitalisation project. Uh, the whole place has been rebuilt, revamped, ready to go. And as part of that, there's a new permanent exhibition. It's called The Story of the Moving Image, um, which includes a permanent collection of video games from Australia and around the world. If you've listened to Pixel Sift, you know that's the sort of thing that we like to hear about. And our guest on this episode is Ari Offman, who is the programmer and video game curator at Acme. We talked about what it takes uh, to collect, uh, to preserve, to display and present uh, video games uh, in the context of Australian media uh, for audiences and for participants to check out much further into the future. Um, but now it's part of a free exhibit supported by uh, Melbourne game development studio Big Ant Studios. Um, who've come on board uh, to to help support this project. I spoke to Ari just a short time ago about the making of this exhibit. Hey there, if you're enjoying the show and you want to hear more, subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, or listen on pixelsift.com.au. See you there. So Ari, can you tell me what is the Games Lab and the new exhibit that's going to be uh, available for everyone to check out at Acme? Yeah, um, fantastic. Um, it's, it's something that we at Acme are very, very excited about. Um, so obviously we've gone through a, a renewal process. We've been closed for over two years now, and it's thanks to a $40 million investment from uh, from the government, which is, which is great. And it's um, given us a chance to really rethink what Acme is and how we can represent it to the public. So um, previously, we had a look at our much loved exhibition, Screen Worlds, which was um, which was highly visited. Um, you know, we have uh, over 1.5 million visitors per year, um, and uh, uh, almost 800,000 of them used to go through Screen Worlds. But um, one of the things that uh, we reconsidered while um, while uh, curating and thinking about this new exhibition, which is called "The Story of the Moving Image," is about the story that we want to tell. Um, the moving image is so vast, and and we we um, uh, the moving image is so vast that it really is a highly curated journey through. Um, and so the games lab is an opportunity for us to explore um, video games as a medium and as a chat how they can um, move us, how they can tell stories, and and uh, I suppose my initial thinking in when I was curating the games lab. Um, was I wanted everyone who goes through there to be able to maybe just take the next step on their video games journey, whether that's someone who's never played a game at all um, and might see something there that actually excites them a little bit or, or uh, encourages them to pick up a controller or, or a keyboard and mouse and play, um, right through to people who, you know, like probably I'm guessing myself and you, who have been playing games since uh, like we were yay high and um, and form a big part of our lives. What parallels have you seen when you've been curating this uh, exhibit in the Games Lab uh, and across uh, comparing it to other bits and pieces? Like what are some of the common themes that you've seen and some of the things that you think that games uh, do completely differently that wouldn't be seen in any other medium? Yeah, great question. Um, so 
in, in choosing the games for the playable stations, of which again we have twelve, and they're separated into six banks, uh, two, two banks of six. Um, video games is the only section within the exhibition that is dedicated to a single medium. So uh, every other section, Explorer has all all different kinds of mediums. Uh, you know, film, television, um, uh, digital, and internet culture. Um, uh, and video games um, uh, and art and spoon right throughout it. Um, so what I wanted to do with the games and uh, in these sections was I wanted to respond to and explore the themes within two particular sections um, that, uh, for this initial iteration. Um, it's also good to note that uh, we're going to be refreshing the content. So um, uh, the timelines of it are, are yet to be completely determined, but we would expect at least once every year to year and a bit, we're going to completely refresh all of the games that are in there and the content associated with them. Um, so the first games that you'll uh, encounter in there, um, I wanted to really look at the, word, the moving world section and the craft of video games. And I mean, there's, there are so many things that we could pick to, to, to be in there so um so i wanted to pick a singular idea that i could that we could put across to the audiences um and that's so that's the idea of environmental storytelling uh which um i'm sure you're very familiar with but for for, for watchers is it's it's about crafting a it's about crafting a living world and about all of the narratives and the stories that you tell through the way that the world is crafted um so the example that i always tend to use is let's say we're playing a game I don't know maybe it's a Bethesda style uh you know a Bethesda style adventure game or you know whatever it might be and you are going down and in, into a house and there then there's part of next part of the quest is to talk to someone in a basement and you could just go down there and talk to them and, and move on to the next part of the quest or you could look around and in the corner of the basement you see a teddy bear and what that starts to bring up is all of the questions about why that teddy bear is sitting there, what has happened to that person, and and it's all of these um, it's all of these stories that that I think video uh, video games are so rich as a medium because they are like they allow us to explore in uh, in a non linear way, um, uh, unlike any other me- unlike any other medium. So um, and, and several of the games that we've got in there, um, we we have games from Australia, but also from right right from around the world. Um, I could say that, like, I have a, a bit more of a focus on exploring indie games within within um, within the game lab, but particularly because I would like to help to expose. Um, I, I'd like to expose and and and, and show um, visitors a range of games that they may not have come across before. But also because personally, I think um, indie games are. are are so wonderful and have such an ability to to be experimental, to to deal with themes and to, to try things out. That being honest, like um, a, a, a you know a, a game with a hundred and fifty million dollar budget probably can't. Um, so some of the games that we've got in there are like uh, Gone Home by Fulbright, which I, I found a really moving experience. Um, and uh, it kind of kicked off that that whole trend of walking like walking simulators. Um. And also the reason that I really love that is that it uses tropes from uh, from across the moving image. So it uses that whole horror genre trope and then kind of flips it on its head for with a really beautiful, um, with a really beautiful uh, a positive ending. And um, and again, the fact that it has uh, such great representation of um, of LGBTQIA themes um, is yeah, it is fantastic. So um, so that's that's one of the ones we've got in there. Another game that we've got. Um, in there is uh, Gardens Between, so made by the Voxel Agents here in Melbourne. 
Um, and we're really proud of this game because it actually came about through a long history with Acme. It actually was initially conceived in a in a game jam uh, that we held probably around 10, 11 years ago or so. And then uh, we've held multiple open beta testing so, um, uh, sessions with them over the years to, to change and to iterate this game. And then obviously um, got to feature it now for its, its release in, in 2018. Um, and I think it's a really, again, a, a beautiful example of environmental storytelling that um, it tells the story of two of the kind of friendships that you have when you're 10 years old um, that you never really have like, again like that. And they might not be friends that's the last, last with you for your whole life, but but they stay in your memory and affect affect who you are. I was going to say, talking about that sort of experience of playing those games in the thing, and you've curated a, a selection there. Um, I know that Acme has had a long uh, history with sort of promoting um, and uh, developing games as well, or at least sort of being a facilitating force within that. Um, can you tell me a little bit about some of your experience with doing things like the, the Audience Lab and building up that sort of experience and uh, other events? As, but you mentioned a game jam there as well, to sort of see it move its way through the different stages then eventually be something that can be on uh, on uh, your rotating display uh, for people to check out. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, so the Audience Lab, so the Acme and RMIT Audience Lab, um, is a, it's a project um, and, a, and, a, and a program that I'm very, that I'm very proud of. So um, it's now uh, in its third year. So we piloted it back in 2018 um, and literally just kicked off the first live one uh, about two weeks ago and we featured um, a really fa- uh, fantastic um, Melbourne game. So um, from True Crime Mysteries, uh, I'm not sure if you know that one, but they had that really awesome location-based game, um, like episode um, uh, uh, in the Monsell Street. And so their next episode is about a murder at the East Market. Um, and so they did an open beta test of, um, of that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and so we're really proud to, um, I suppose, in, 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 a little, in a couple of weeks, two weeks from now, uh, on the 20th and 21st of March, we've got our next audience lab uh, and people can actually pop along and see uh, the game Enchanted by Dragon Bear Studios, who are also sponsored residents here at Acme X. Um, uh, again, a really fantastic game um, and a, a really inspiring group of developers, particularly as because they use their funding in order to to bring on First Nations artists, whether that's musicians, whether it's modelers, um, and also to integrate um, diverse and First Nations characters into their game. Uh, so, yes, you'll be able to come along and play um, play Enchanted uh, at, at the next Audience Lab, which is and it's a really great, fun, four-player couch co-op um, style tavern game. Like So kind of think, you know, overcooked, uh, but we uh, with uh, a little less frantic. Now, I want to um, get get a bit of a feeling about um, why one why games are so important to you as a medium. What what is it about them uh, that you really like and you want other people to connect to? And for people who maybe uh, are trying to convince maybe family and friends, maybe partners who are not into it, uh, what you think is the the most compelling reason for someone to check out games? They could probably be part of the same thing, I'd imagine. So. Yeah. Um, wow. Like the most compelling reason. I mean, I suppose. Uh, look, I love games, and they've always been an integral part of my life. Um, and for me, I suppose and the thing that I would try and can um, try and show people, and like, I'm amazed that in 2021 we actually still have to have this debate and argument. But the fact that games can tell amazingly affecting and emotional stories. Um, they 
are a, a medium for delivering a narrative in a way that no other medium is. Um, and so I, when I look back through some of my favourite games that I've ever played, um, uh, they are like they often are um, single player narrative games uh, that have allowed like. Uh, you know, that push my boundaries, that that explore my moral and ethical choices. I mean, um, I mean, I've, we've been talking about indie games quite a bit, but, um, you know, I mean, uh, last year, the, the Last of Us 2, I mean, The Last of Us 1, um, I, I just found was like, it's such a brilliant use of the medium, particularly, and it's so clever in, in the way that it's... Um, that it got you to question your own choices and also your own responses to things, particularly with, uh, you know, Ellie's journey in the first half of the game and then flipping it on its head and then going through Abby's journey in the second half. Um, And given that the gameplay is so much about this this brutal violence um, and it, 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 you know, um, it encourages you to, to think about how you react to to the situation because in the first half of the game obviously like i mean it's, it's been out for a while now so it's it's not going to be a spoiler um to say look after joel's killed i mean you 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 were encouraged into this revenge um and then and then for it to flip it on its head like that and then um it's just such smart writing and and so affecting as a player um and really, uh, like, drives to the core of what the game is about, like, which is the nature of violence, the cyclical nature of revenge and the fact that, that no one wins. Last of Us 2 is obviously, like, a capital G video game, like, um, and that's probably not going to be the most accessible thing for people who are just starting their journey in. So is it your hope that people will sort of build up their experiences through something like maybe playing something on their phone, coming into to play uh, and check out the exhibit at Acme. And um, uh, with, with that, can you tell me, like, with that sort of guided process through, uh, tell me about some of the other games that are sort of featured within uh, the exhibit um, so that you can kind of get the, the breadth of, of what is there and, and, and things that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, made the cut for one compelling reason that you thought this is the reason it has to be included in the first run. Yeah, definitely. Um so, I mean, we've talked a bit about like the first six, uh, like the first six games, or at least uh, you know, the curator, the curatorial intent behind that. Um, the other six are tied to the Moving Minds section. So, what I really wanted to do with that, those games, is look at games that explored um, critical themes that we are facing today. So, that could be anything from ecology and climate change through to um, through to factual media and fake news, um, through to surveillance culture and, and, and all this. And um, so some of the games that are featured in there um, that are really excite me. So we've got um, uh, a, a, a exhibition build of um, Orwell Keeping an Eye on You, which is a really, again, a really brilliant game um, and a really clever um use of the medium that that couldn't be done in any other medium so i mean for those who haven't played it it's um uh, you play the role of um of a worker at this uh secretive government or non-government organization called orwell uh that um that basically watches over people and decides as to whether they're going to be um, prosecuted criminal uh, and judged as criminals or not. Um, and so in this first episode, there's a bombing that happens at the start and um, you're given this particular person to, to look at. And so you trawl through their social media posts, through via, through their blogs and, and then choose um, 
and choose pieces of evidence to just to make your own decision about the guilt of this person or not. And I mean, I think that speaks really highly to 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 the world that we live in today, where where all of our social media and our lives online um, are reflected. So. Um, Another game that we've got in there is uh, a great one called Headliner Novi News, and, um, and it's a really um, it's a really fun one because I actually did a, a special build for Acne, so there's uh, some really like yeah, Easter eggs and some fun Acne references throughout the game. But in that, you play um, the you play the editor of uh, like an online paper, like a, like a, we'll just call it a headliner, and um, and in it you're probably presented with news stories and often quite binary options as to how you want to uh, publish it, like as to whether you support this, whether you're against this, etc. And then through the publishing of these stories, you see the effects that happen in the world around you um, and are reflected within society. So again, really a clever, um, interactive way to deal with quite a quite a serious issue. Um, but that said, there are there are again. Uh, I would like anyone to be able to come into the lab, to the lab and play a game and take the next steps. So we have beautiful um, experiences like Flower um, by you know Virginia Clark and um, and uh, that game company, um, which is kind of the precursor to Journey. And you, you play a, a pedal floating on the wind and, and then turning the world beautiful around you. Um, uh, we've also got. Um, oh, Read about all of it. Um, we've got uh, we've got Akami, like uh, the remastered version of Akami, which is uh, again just such a clever game. Um, so particularly through the use of um, painting as a as a um, as a, a, a mechanic within the game, um, and also the art style, um, which uh, which uh, comes from and which echoes the kind of ukiyo-e and, and sumie um, wood carvings. Um, from ancient Japan, and it's, it's just it's uh, every moment in that game is is screenshotable and is is, is picturesque, like a, a work of art by itself. Um, and of course, like uh, we have our arcades in there, which are, are free to play and um, and are definitely one of the the biggest attractors. Um, like people, like people love uh, being able to go in there. And also, I love the fact that I can sit there and play the game and not have to drop you know two dollars or a dollar in every time in order. So. Um, so what have we uh, we've got uh, an original Dragon's Lair cabinet in there, um, and why did I pick Dragon's Lair? I mean, what you could argue that it's one of the greatest or uh, one of the worst video games of all time. Um, I, I like have the nostalgic thing. I think a lot of us do with having seeing that cabinet in there and seeing like I mean, it looked like no other game did at the time with that beautiful Don Bluth animation. Um, and also so frustratingly hard because it's a, it's, it's built just to eat your coins up, um, and and it was the origin of the quick time event. Like so, so many reasons to be in there. Um, we've got um, original Simpsons cabinet, you know. Um, so one of the great Konami four player beat 'em ups of um, of that era. Um, again, very nostalgic uh, for many people, but also. Um, uh, it's quite interesting because it was created after only just a single season that The Simpsons had had been done, um, uh, and we see some really interesting representations of characters that are def- that definitely don't uh, fit how the series has evolved, and, and, but also had um, had recorded speech and was one of the first arcade games to actually feature recorded speech. Um, I also find it interesting because they use that very same code and. Um, and build and reskinned it multiple times for very uh, for other popular games. So most notably, um, the Ninja Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game is basically the Simpsons game just reskinned. Um, 
So, uh, and I remember loving turtles so much. Um, so we've got Ms. Pac-Man in there as well. Um, and I think Ms. Pac-Man has really interesting story behind it. Um, so, I mean, obviously it was, it was uh, created initially as a mod um, called Crazy Otto by um, by three MIT dropouts, um, and they they did it because they got bored of playing Pac Man. That like they they beaten it to its highest level a thousand times um, and wanted to increase its difficulty. So um, so they modded it, and um, some of the significant changes were the randomization um, of the way that the ghosts actually follow you and the the the, the additional maps and all of that, um, and the fact that with this mod going out and being sold. Um, uh, they were actually hired by um, by uh, Atari Namco to like to go and continue to create games. Um, we also liked they like I like uh, to think of uh, Ms. Pac-Man as like the the original feminist icon because she's actually the, the first female protagonist in a video game, um, which is which is pretty significant. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I also think find this it's a really interesting story about like the whole creation of Pac-Man in general was a, a game to appeal to girls um that's that's while um while i was sitting down in a in a pizza in a pizza joint um and wondering what would girls like you know what are girls into of course girls are into eating so we've got to make a game about eating and of course they took a slice of pizza out and they're like whoa and there's your pac-man created so um so yeah i think that's a, a really fun story behind it um, can you tell me a little bit about, I guess, some of the preservation efforts there? Because you're talking about some games that people maybe have never had a chance to play that were born after they were even in the arcades. Arcades are not hugely around anymore in the way that they used to be. Um, what, what do you need to do to, to preserve these games, make sure that they're playable um, and get them up to a, a, a condition so that they are you know, exhibitable as well? Because that's obviously a different consideration, just being able to play the game um, so that people can, can check it out hundreds of times. That's uh, that is a huge question, and I mean we could we could do an entire two-hour episode on that one alone. Um, I think one of the things people don't realise is that games and current me uh, current digital media are actually the most difficult to preserve, particularly because um, because technology moves so quickly, and there are so many iterations and and um, also. Uh, interconnecting factors such as drivers and software and their variations etc that um even stuff that was like made 10 years ago like oh no even 10 years ago stuff that was made in like the mid to the mid 2010s like a phone game how, how do you collect and preserve that um so we're really proud that we actually have a um uh, an arc so an australian research council project um we we did what a few quite a few years ago now called play it again which was looking at the uh, history of um, Australian-made games throughout the 80s, so particularly you know, Melbourne House and Beam Software and those kind of things, um, and preserving those um, uh, for future generations to be able to play. And um, you can see a bit about that on the Play It, like the, the play it Again website. Um, but we're really excited that we're actually uh, right at the beginning stages now of the next stage of, uh, of that um, ARC process. It's called Play It Again 2, and this is through the, um, through the 90s. Um, uh, for the 90s era of Australian games. Um, uh, so we actually have a, um, a really fantastic part of Acme, which is part of our collection team called the Media Preservation Lab. And so we work in, um, in combination with, um, with RMIT University and Swinburne University and also um, with other organisations around Australia, um, such as the NFSA, um, in order to collect and preserve games. Um, 
And so currently we look at we're in the process of um, working with several several Melbourne companies um, to begin collecting and preserving um, all parts of uh, of games um, right now, including um, so some of the ones that are we currently in the works with are Florence by uh, Mounts Mountains, which is again really beautiful um, beautiful Melbourne game. Um, uh, and uh, of course, Untitled Goose Game, which uh, just went huge around the world, and um, and it's, it's just such a great success story for House House and uh, and those uh, four really talented uh, gentlemen. Um, and I'm sure, like the great part about Untitled like Untitled Goose Game is that it's I know that it's, it's sold enough that now they're going to be able to continue to develop these amazing quirky games and be supported for the rest of their lives off what they've made for this uh, for this one game. So we're very committed to. Um, to, co- to collecting and to preserving um, Australia's games for future generations to be able to play. Um, with that, um, obviously, when you talk to House House now, you can pop on down to their office and say, hey, let's think about making an archival version of this game, something that we could hold and play forever. Um, but what, what do you do if you've got an older game, some stuff like the 90s era games you're talking about or even earlier than that, um, trying to get them back up and running? Is it a sort of Frankenstein-y sort of process to put it back together to make it live? We're very much in support of emulation and emulation as a service, um, and that's the process that we're trying to work trying to work to, from, um, through now. So, um, so at last year's online online packs, we actually did a panel um, dedicated directly to um, how like how we're actually uh, using emulation and um, uh, with a few games that um, uh, that are part of the collection. So we looked at. Um, for example, the um, 1992, I think it was, NES Aussie Rules game, which was, uh, which was hilarious given that, like, they couldn't actually use any of the team names or any of the things, so I like it. But, um, uh, and so we, we showed examples of how we're using different emulators to try and, and to preserve that. Um, so ideally where we'd love to be able to get to is is to run emulation as a service so that museums, galleries, um, places around the world can show and exhibit these games um, directly through through um, through an online portal and, they, um, and have it all um, put together in the back end. Um, mm. um, I, I used to work for a screen agency um, and part of our funding arrangement was that for archival purposes and for record purposes, we, we used to be able to say, hey, look, you need to provide us with something like that. Um, is it Does that exist for funding uh, in Victoria or even around the country that other options you might be pulling in? Or or is that something you'd like to see uh, come into place uh, for, for games that are funded uh, with public funds? Yeah, that's, it's a, that's an interesting question. Um, currently, I'm, uh, as far as I'm aware, it's not part of the funding arrangements that the games need to be collected and preserved um, because it's it's still a very, very difficult thing because I don't think um, there is recognition or understanding why, like widely enough about the amount of effort that needs to go in order to try and preserve these artworks. Um and so we're still having um, symposia and forums about like why we need to do this at all, um, which to, to me is is actually quite crazy because like the like we 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 are we are also at a time where 
um, things are very, very at risk. So storage media, optical media has a has a lifespan. So the discs and CDs, they, they have a limited lifespan and will all die. Um, digital tape, I mean, is a, is a little bit better. So uh, it's a little bit longer lasting, but it's still very at risk. Um, even hard drives and, and things like that, I mean, they all uh, have a limited lifespan. Um, so so the, the, the more like... We need more people to come on board. We need more awareness and, and honestly, more funding to, to be able to go to it um, because um, there were we, like uh, ourselves and, and other organisations like us that, that do the collection and preservation of, of games and other media um, have limited resources, which means we may need to make choices about about what we can, what we can do and what we, can, uh, what we can't due just due to capacity reasons. Um, and I also want to ask you about this because you're the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. Um, what is the Australian voice or the Australian story that you have um, been able to pull out or, or seen represented in the games that have been selected or potentially games that might be shown in future? Yeah, great question. So um, firstly, I think one of the key drivers at ACME is that we like want to centralise um First Nations stories and creators right throughout our exhibition. And so there, there is not just a small First Nations section. Um, it, it is weaved right throughout the exhibition. And so um, going forward, we, I, I would like to continue to curate um, more and more games, uh, like, like for example, Enchanted, um, that, are, that, are, that are made and that, that tell uh, First Nations stories. Um, I can say, like a little bit of sneak preview, but... Um, the next iteration of the Games Lab will be entirely focused on Australian games. Um, so that will be sometime 2022. We'll probably we'll, we'll be looking at that changeover. Um, I think I'm very, very passionate about Melbourne-made games as well. Um, I think we have a really, really brilliant um, and uh, and unique development scene here in Melbourne, um, you know, with... Uh, Places such as the arcade, like um, where were that houses, you know, so many great development companies, and again, our own our own resident um, co working space here at Acme X, um, but also uh, like a whole lot of independent developers, and and um, yeah, it's it's just a really really exciting and vibrant scene, um, and I think that um, particularly Melbourne, but also around uh, around Australia in general. We're doing we're doing things a little bit differently to the to the rest of the world, um, uh, and I love to see that Australian voice come out. Um, and, and we say, what is the Australian voice? Well, I mean, it is we, we are so diverse and we're so multicultural that there are so many different stories and um, uh, that that can be told. Um, but some of the things that really excite me are um, uh, uh, some of the again games used as art. Um, ga- games that are enjoyable play experiences like so I mean there's a whole new um, uh, generation of game developers that are coming up just making really exciting things like you know, like Grace Brooksner and, and and the Frog Detective series or um, I really really love Cecile Richard and, and then the kind of art games that she makes that really explore um, you know that, that explore uh well, like mental health and trauma, and um, and, and a whole range of things that that are often aren't talked about. Um, uh, and so I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to to be to have an opportunity to be able to give these uh, the creators and these games a platform and for audiences to be able to see them. 
Um, Ari, it sounds like an amazing amount of fun and definitely something to come back to and check out if you're a visitor to Melbourne or you live locally. Um, there's opportunities to come back and have a look at it many, many times. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and telling us about uh, the new exhibit. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm like a lot of other people, I can't wait to come and check it out. It's been my pleasure and we look forward to seeing you at Acme. That's Ari Offman. Uh, the curator of video games and programmer at Acme in Melbourne, uh, part of the uh, talking about the story of the moving image, a new exhibit, a permanent exhibit that's free for people to check out, uh, featuring a number of uh, video games from Australia and around the world uh, that is supported by the Melbourne game uh, development studio, Big Ant. Uh, if you want to check it out, Acme is open right now uh, for you to have a look at, whether you're there in person in Melbourne or you're going for a visit, uh, go and have a look at that one there. Pixel Sift is produced by Mitchell Lowe, Fiona Bartholomeus, Scott Quigg, Sarah Ireland, Daniel Ang, Adam Christou, and I'm the executive producer, Gianni DiGiovanni. If you like what you've heard, well, we talk to Australian game developers um, every week. Um, we talk to international developers as well. Um, we find out what it takes to make these amazing pieces of media that we love. You can find out more of that by heading to uh, your podcast player of choice. You can subscribe to us wherever you'd like to listen to podcasts, or you can find us on our website as well, which is pixelsift.com.au. Uh, while you're there, while you're on the internet, why don't come and join the Pixel Sift community? Uh, we have a Discord server where people can discuss the things they're working on. They promote some of the stuff that they're, they're building at the time. You can find developers and previous guests of the show in there. If you've got a question, you can ask them there. Um, we also, um, people uh, share cool links and great stuff. It's a great supportive community. We'd love to have you a part of it. You can join that by going to pixelsift.com.au forward slash discord. So pixelsift.com.au forward slash discord. Uh, while you're there online, um, if you give us a rating and review, people always ask for that, but it does make a difference. And also tell your friends. If you think someone you know would like what we do at Pixel Sift, we'd appreciate your help sharing the word. Get them subscribed, um, set them up, hit the uh, YouTube subscribe button, hit the little bell, you know the, the drill. Um, if you think someone would like it, nothing better for you to do to support the show than tell your friends or family that they would enjoy what we do. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, have fun.